Hey, thanks for joining us here at the Greater Albuquerque Church of Christ, where we strive to discover and reflect the fullness of Christ together. We hope this sermon inspires and encourages you in your walk with Christ. And to learn more about our local church or to support us, please visit abqcoc.com. Well, it's good to be with you. And like what's been said already today, um, we're in part two of a series on prayer. Uh, Last week, we talked about uh, looking back. And basically, if you missed it, um, we just talked about how do we reflect on a year with God and see see the story that he's weaving? Um, How do we give thanks for the great things he's done and process the hard things with God? And so I said this last week, and I'm going to say it again. We can't move forward into this new year and make any kind of goals or resolutions before we look back. Um, In fact, I would say it would be foolish of us to try to do so. It'd be like trying to map out a road trip when you're not even clear on where you're starting or where you've been. Um, So if you haven't taken time to do some sort of reflection, um, there's a worksheet uh, for you for that. It says Psalm 23 on the top. I post it in our church Facebook page. Um, Some of them are left out in the foyer. Please, please take that with you and do that exercise first before really jumping into what we talk about today. Um, But today's part two, instead of talking about looking back in prayer, we're going to be talking about looking ahead into this new year with God. Um, Psalm 23, uh, which Shawnee just read, says that God is our shepherd, which means uh, a shepherd guides and leads his sheep. That's what God does for us. He, He leads us. He has clear intentions of where he is going, and our job as a member of his flock is to hear his voice and follow, not just do our own thing, okay? But the question is, how do we do that? It can be challenging because if you've heard phrases like, oh, God's will, or what's God's plan for my life, or I'm going I'm to just try and follow the Spirit, like in, in many ways, those can be just empty religious phrases, And I've found personally in in my walk with God and in trying to help others that discerning God's will or or trying to hear how he's leading can be really challenging to do. Uh, It can be daunting even. So today I I hope to equip us with some really tangible ways and practices to discern what is God's will and and how is he trying to lead me into this new year. And so we're going to start in Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. Um, that's a great text in, uh, in helping us figure out how to discern God's will. So starting in verse 1. It says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Okay, so this is Romans 12. So in the previous chapters, what Paul has done is he's just finished, he's finished up talking about the kindness and mercy of God who will both redeem his former people, Israel, and adopt the Gentiles or non-Jews into one family together. And so Paul is celebrating that miracle of salvation, that that God has offered redemption to all people through Jesus Christ, even though none of us deserves it. So in in verse 1, he says, Therefore, in view of that incredible mercy, offer yourself completely to God. That's the worship God desires from us. Offer yourself as a sacrifice. 
Man, that, that's the highest form of complete and total self-surrender that I could think of. I, mean, I think Paul really intentionally uses some strong language here. Because a sacrifice is something you'd often bring before God and offer its life as an offering to God. Like, thank you, God. Or this is a life in place of mine. So Paul is telling us to respond to what God has done for us by doing the exact same thing God already did. Offering the very life of his son as a sacrifice. Offering up all that he had for us. And the only acceptable response is to do the same back to God. My favorite worship song is, is The Stand. And the writer captures the essence of what we're talking about here beautifully in the chorus. He says, so what could I say or what could I do but offer this heart, O oh God, completely to you? See, the only acceptable response to the cross is total surrender back to God. And then in verse 2, Paul elaborates on this. Being a living sacrifice requires a transformation. A rejection of the ways of this world, the ways we used to live in, and a renewing of our way of thinking and, our, and now how we view life. Repentance is, is the biblical word for this. Like, I used to follow the ways of this world. I used to think like the world. I used to have their values. Maybe you pursued money or power to try to make you happy. Maybe you used other people for your own means or pleasure. Maybe you lived like the world just revolved around you. You name what it was that you used to live in. But now he's saying to be an offering or living sacrifice for God requires rejecting that. Not just rejecting that way of living, but even thinking. Our aim is now, I want to please God. I want to be like God. I want to live a life of love and service to God and to others. And so every day we try to transform our thinking. All right, God, help me to love you. Help me desire what you desire and, and want what you want. It's why being in our word daily, just we need that to wash over our mind. Why being in community, why, why we need each other to draw us back. Because we're in the world so often we need intentional practices to continue to have a renewed mind. And so here's where I want to land, the second part of verse 2. Paul says, then, and here's the key, only then are you able to test and approve God's will. So back to our original question, how can we understand the will of God or discern where he's leading or calling us well, Paul tells us that discernment can only come when we take the time and effort to get to a place of total surrender to God. It's like we can only hear his voice when we're at a spot where we've offered up our lives and our jobs and our money and our families and our hopes and dreams all as a sacrifice before the throne and said, God, it's yours. Here it is. All you've given me... I, here, here's what's on my heart. Here's, here's what, I, what, what I feel like you're calling me to do. God, it's yours for your glory because of what you've done for me. Then the airways can open up so we can accurately perceive what God is trying to do. And so we have to ask ourselves this morning, how often do we get our hearts to this place of surrender and sacrifice to God before we make decisions? Before we make plans or set goals? And this is so important right now because in the first part of every year, many of us are doing what? Goals, resolutions, plans. This is new year, new me. 
And so before we go charging into these things, we've got to take the time not only to reflect like we talked about last week, but to pause and to consecrate every area of our lives to God so that we can hear where he's leading us, not just where we want to go. That word consecrate, it just means to set apart as holy. It's to make sure that area of our life is offered up as a sacrifice to God, like we just read. If we don't do this, we run the huge risk of being on a totally different path than the one that God is trying to lead us towards. And, and here's what that experience often feels like when, when we do that. Um, it's probably like seven years ago now. Um, Elliot Pelfrey and I, we went scouting for elk up in southern Colorado, like really close to the area where we do our church camping trips. And man, we're hiking all day. We do one whole side of the mountain, then we cross over the river, do the other side of the mountain, and it's, it's starting to get dark. And uh, we need to head back to the truck and make dinner and get going. And I look at my map on my phone, and I'm like, hey, we're like vertically just right above where, the, where we parked. Um, but the trail, it winds way back this way, you know, does some back and forth across the mountain and then takes us back. And so already being exhausted and hungry, I say like hastily to Elliot, hey man, let's just go straight down the mountain. Like, it's going to be way faster. We'll get to the truck in half the time. Man, I'll get dinner going. It'll be great. And you can kind of see it in Elliot's face. He hesitates. And he, he encourages me to reconsider like, hey man, are you sure? I'm the one with the map on my phone. He's, he's probably thinking, there's no trail. We're going to be bushwhacking. It's going to be steep. And, and he lovingly, gently asks me to reconsider. Like, hey, are you sure? And I'm like, yeah, man, it's going to be great. And uh, man, what, what a painful ex experience I led us on. I mean, right away, we ran into these thick marshes that I didn't even know existed in the mountains. And it was like a swamp, so you couldn't walk through it, but it was really hard to get around it. And then there was brush so thick that it, it was painful to walk through. Like you're just getting torn up and scraped and your clothes ripped. And then you hit these parts of the mountain that are so steep, like you have to sit down on your butt and kind of like slide down. Um, and it took us forever, forever to get back to the truck. And we were in a lot more pain than we would have been just by taking the trail. And isn't that what life is usually like when we run ahead of God with our own plans without trying to follow his path? often get a lot of bumps and bruises that could have been avoided. Doesn't turn out nearly like we would have hoped or imagined. And luckily God, like Elliot, doesn't abandon us. You know, he, he gives us opportunities to recalibrate. And he, he comes and rescues us way more often than he probably needs to or should have to. But here's my warning this morning. If you don't take the time in this season to surrender your year to God, to ask God how he's leading you in the different areas of your life before you make your plans, you're probably going to feel a lot like I did after that hike at the end of your year. And going back to my, my story with Elliot, imagine we got back to the truck and we're getting dinner going and I look over to Elliot and I say, man, I can't believe you let me go through that. Why didn't you stop me? What kind of friend are you that you would allow that to happen to me? How's that going to go? What kind of friendship would that be? But look at me here. That is exactly what we do to God. We experience the consequences of our own decisions that seem like a good idea to us that we didn't make sure we're from God, and we get upset with him. 
well, God, the door was open, so I just I walked through it. thought it was a green light from you. We reason, God, you didn't stop me. What kind of logic is that? That is not how relationships work. God desires our love and our devotion. And that means he wants us to use our free will and our desire to choose to be in alignment with him. He's not going to make us. He's not going to throw up a giant stop sign every time you want to do your own thing. He's not going to control you, but he does want to guide you. And if we're not trying to listen, we're going to miss it. And so church, this is a pivotal time to intentionally seek God and his will first. Don't bypass this process. Do not live with the arrogance that thinks that you're in control of your life and God will just tag along right behind you. And at the core of this issue is, is the question, man, do, do I live my life like it's just mine? Like I'm in control and maybe I go to God for wisdom or help or to not feel lonely sometimes, but I'm the one actually in the driver's seat. Or do we really desire God? Do we want him more than his things? Do we want him to be at the center of our life and trust that the greatest treasure we could ever have is God himself and the life to the full Jesus promises comes from following him? And so today, I'm going to walk us through how do we, how do, we do this, but it's, it's not just a practical exercise to have a better year. It starts with an inner desire that wants to be with God that wants to be with God. A great example of this is Moses. You know, in Exodus 33, um, some context, God has saved his people from Egypt. He leads them to Mount Sinai. There's been some ups and downs and some bumps through that process, but Moses goes up the mountain. God is there like a consuming fire, a visible symbol of God's presence among his people at the top of the mountain. And the people are waiting for Moses to come down. And God's speaking with Moses, giving him the tablets, the Ten Commandments, the covenant. And the people get a little antsy. Like it's been a long time Moses is up there. And so their solution is to make a golden calf to worship instead. And God is furious. And Moses is furious. He like smashes the stone tablets. But what Moses does is incredible. He intercedes for the people. He says, God, forgive them, please. Forgive them. Take my life instead. So God says, okay. I'll forgive them. You can still go to the promised land, but I can't go. These people are too stubborn. They don't really want to follow me, Moses. And this is what Moses says to God in response. Verse 15. Then Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you have asked, because I am pleased with you and I know you by name. And Moses says this awesome line, now show me your glory. You see, Moses could have gotten the blessing. Like God said, okay, I'll relent. I'll even fulfill my end of the deal. I'll take you to the promised land. Like you can have it. I'm just not going to go. I mean, it could have been like, sweet God, thanks for the inheritance money. I'm out. Peace. Moses says, what? 
God, if you're not there, I don't want it. I want your presence more than your promised land. What's the point otherwise, God? That is what consecration and surrender looks like. Getting to a spot that says, whatever you have ahead, God, I, I want you. And if you're in it, let's go. It says, God, I don't, I don't know what 2024 is going to look like, but I want to see your glory. I want more of you. I want to know your love and your mercy. I want to be more like Jesus. So lead me, God. Take my job, my family, my kids, my time, my hobbies, my money, my small group, all of it, God, and show me how to have more of you through it. Show me how to glorify you in it. Because if you're not in it, God, I don't want it. That's what it looks like. And so here, here's the reality right now. Some of us here were like, yes, I want that. Tell me, how do I get there? I'll, I'll, I'll get to you in just a minute. But some of us, if we're honest, we're like, ah, I don't know. I don't know if I trust God like that. Maybe you've got some hurts or wounds from your time in the desert with God. Or if you're honest, you would just want the promised land. Like you would have just taken God's offer and ran. Maybe God is currently your means of just getting what you want or where you want. Or maybe you just don't know God like that yet. If any of those is you, your takeaway from here today is right here. I'm going to ask you to set aside the time this week to rustle, to, to rustle in prayer with God over his goodness and his love for you. Because if you don't really trust God or love God, it's going to be really hard to follow him. I mean, read over scriptures like John 10, where Jesus promises life to the fool, where he says he's the good shepherd, that he lays down his life for you, his sheep. Read that over and over until your heart believes it. Or read Romans 8, where God says he loves you and nothing could separate you from that love. And he's always working for your good, even through the hardest things. Or the first half of the book of Ephesians, like, you have been predestined to be with God and he is trying to show you his greatness and his glory and his mercy and transform you into his image. Take the time you need with that so you can get your heart to a place of, yes, I want you, God, and I will trust you. Because you can't do the exercise we're about to talk about unless your, your heart gets there. And be honest with somebody. Be honest with somebody. Like, if, if, you, if this is new to you, like, hey, I want to get there. Will, will, you, will you show me how? And, and we'll study the Bible with you. It's something our church is great at. If you've been a disciple a while and you're like, hey, I, there's some hesitation there. And be honest with somebody. I'm having a hard time with this. Can you help me get to a place of trusting God again? Because once we desire God's guidance, then we can seek after it and talk about how do we hear God's voice leading us. Amen? So, we're going to finish with this. The two steps of how do we hear God leading us into the new year. And they're consecration and listening prayer. And I've got a worksheet for this out in the foyer. Some of you might have already grabbed it. But grab one before you leave. I'll also post one online. Also, when you go to our um, church website and go to the lessons page, it takes you to a podcast to listen to these. I'll post these in the show notes there. So there's multiple ways you can access that worksheet. And it's going to say almost exactly what I'm going to tell you right now. But we've talked about consecration already. It just means surrender. But, but how do you do that on your own this week? I want to ask you to set aside a chunk of time this week, grab a journal, and find a quiet place. And then take a minute to 
settle into God's presence. Um, yeah, take a minute to settle into God's presence and remind yourself of his promises, that he's with you, that he's your good shepherd, that he loves you. And then what you do is you slowly go through each area of your life and you offer it up to God. So for example, like your personal life, maybe it's your health, your relationship with God, you offer it up to God. Your family, your friendships, work, finances, small group, whatever area you can think of, and, and, you, and you slowly go through and say things like this. Okay, God, I give, you, I give my family completely to you. Your will be done in our family this year, God. Not my will, but yours be done. Help me desire you and your glory in this area. And then you pause and you listen. What comes up in your heart when you say that? What comes up in your mind? Maybe you're really excited. Write it down. God, I'm so excited to see what you have in store for us this next year. Maybe some fear or hesitation comes up. You, you write that down. What, what, what comes through? And you do that for each area, just slowly going through. Okay, personal life, my work. God, what do you have for me at work this year? What do you want me to focus on? I give it to you, God. I give it to you. And you ask yourself, do I feel surrendered? Is there any apprehension? Is there anything that's particularly difficult to offer up to God? And what you're doing is like, you're going through your heart with like a metal detector, okay? Like beep, 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 beep. Like, oh, there it is. Like, that's the thing I need to spend some time with to surrender to God. Like, that's the thing that's kind of blocking me from wholeheartedly trusting him into this new year. That's, that's this consecration process. And so once you find that, that if, if, if there is anything, um, you, you take the time to pray and work through it. Um, talk, talk with a friend to help you work through that blockage of trusting God, whether it's in your marriage or with your money or whatever it is. And then once you do this, when you get to a place of surrender, you can start to do some listening prayer. Listening prayer is exactly what it sounds like. It's trying to listen for God's voice. And so again, what you do is you go through each of those areas I listed uh, and you ask God, God, what do you have for me in this area in 2024? Is there anything you want me to focus on? Is there any way you're calling me to grow? And you listen and you write down what comes to mind. The things you write down, they might be your own thoughts, just kind of flushing out of you, or they might be from God. That's why you kind of got to do some follow-up questions, which we'll, which we'll talk about in a second. But you, but you also ask God about maybe plans you've already made. Maybe you're trying to go on a big vacation. Maybe you want to start this hobby. Maybe there's a large purchase you're thinking about. Okay, God, what about this this year? Is that from you? Do you want me to do this this year, God? Is this something you want me to consider? So, so some examples. Um, when I do it personally for myself, like, God, what do you want me to focus on this year? What do you have for me? I often hear God call me out on something, like something that he wants me to grow in. And as I've been doing this this past week, the word kindness keeps coming up. And this word kindness keeps coming up because if you know me, um, I can get in a very business mode and I can get easily frustrated. I can get impatient. I can get uh, not interruptible. And so at home with two small kids and a pregnant wife, sometimes I'm not the most kind person in my house. Sometimes I'm irritable or I, I have too much harshness in my tone. And that is not honoring and glorifying to God. It's not the example I want to set with my kids. 
So God is calling me this year, hey, kindness. Even if they're interrupting you, kindness. And so now it's a word that I can take with me and pray all year, evaluate every day. Okay, how, how's this going, God? Kindness. How are, you, how are you transforming me to be more kind? Something else I've heard God say is treasure. Um, and that might sound weird, but this past year, I, I spent a lot of time with God. But a lot of that time, because of the nature of my job, can be spent praying for other people or, you know, thinking about lessons to write or, you know, asking God for help with certain things that are work-related, but not exactly just treasuring God himself. And so God is calling me this year, hey, protect the things that help you treasure me. Protect the things that just help you be in love with me. So the times I spend with God, it's, it's not, I can't let the, the thoughts of, oh, I need to, I, I should share this scripture with that person or, oh, this would be great for my next lesson. No, God, it's just, it's just you. I just want to be with you. So these are some things that might come up. And when I pray over family, I, I, I ask God for each kid. Okay, God, Keon, what's the focus this year? What, do you want, what, do you, what are you putting on my heart for Keon this year? Our family, what are, you, what are you leading us into? Last year, God gave us the word quality time for family. Quality time. And like I just shared, I'm by nature a workaholic, and so I can go, 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 and miss moments of quality time with my family. But that word was a gift from God because it would bring me back into alignment. Like, nope, okay, this is quality time with my kids that I'll never get back. I can't have my mind over here. Or I could take a break from what I'm doing to get this. And honestly, when, when God gives these words or guidance, it always turns out to be a huge blessing. It's always the spirit in the back of my head. Like, remember, quality time, and it helps me so much. We ask God about our plans. Like, God, we're thinking of doing t-ball again this year. Is that from you? Is that, is that going to be good for us, or is it going to make us too busy? Or we want to do a, a vacation before the baby comes. God, what, is that something you want for us? We can't just let the current of the world guide our decisions or parenting or families. We can't just say, yeah, I'm going to do that because everybody else is doing it, or it's normal. We've got to ask God. And so as we do this, some of us have already probably made some plans that we're going to need to circle back and be like, hey, God, I know I haven't really run this by you yet, but... Um, is this something you want for us? Understanding that he might say no. And we have to be willing to go back and trust God and say, okay. Like, for example, for Christmas, the one thing I wanted was a smoker, okay? And I just asked people, hey, if you're going to get me a gift, just pitch in some money to the smoker fund, okay? And so I got, I got enough money to buy a smoker. And I found a sweet one on Facebook Marketplace. And I'm like, this is going to be awesome. It's a great deal. And then I prayed about it, and God was like, no. I was like, what do you mean, God? Like, I got this money for the smoker, and so I don't know if it's not the right one or if it's going to break down on me or what, but it was very clear, and I had to come back to it a lot of times. Like, God, are you sure? Are you sure about that? Are you really sure about that, God? Like, I have the money right here. It's not an issue. And, and he keeps coming back to me, no. And so I don't know what's going to happen there, but I, I trust that he's saving me from something. And so after you go through this for each area, you've got to come back to what you've written and ask God some further questions to clarify it's, if it's really from God. Like, God, is, is, this, is this what I hear you saying? Is this, is this what you're calling me to focus on just to get some confirmation? And honestly, sometimes this takes me weeks or it takes multiple times of just coming back to that in the morning. Like, God, I, I, think, I think this is what I heard you call me. Is that, is that right? Are you sure about that? I think an example was in, in 2021, we were doing this at the beginning of our year, and I'm excited. I'm like, okay, God, what do you got for me this year? 
what's the word? What do you want me to focus on? I'm thinking like zeal, faith, like evangelism. And uh, none of those things are really sticking. And the word that keeps coming up is slow. And I'm like, nah, that's not it. Slow. I'm writing it down. I'm like crossing out my paper. That's not a theme for a year. Like, what is that? Um, And so I'd come back to it like a couple days later and a couple days later. And sure enough, like God has put it on my heart, slow. And I'm like, what does that even mean, God? Slow. In 2021, I spent a cumulative total of a month of that year in bed because of back spasms. And multiple other physical challenges that slowed down my life to a pace that it had never been to before. And I was like, oh, this is what you meant, God. I need to slow down my pace of life. And so I I didn't get it at the beginning of the year at all. It took me a while to see what God was saying. And so it was frustrating. It was painful. And that year was really hard for me. But what that word did is it gave me so much perspective throughout the year. Like, God, this is actually going to be a blessing from you. Like, you, you are working in this. It's like, it's like when someone gives you a warning. Um, it's, it really helps. Like, if something scary is going to happen, like, I hate being scared. I don't like the scary movies, and someone lets me know. It's like, thank you. Like, it still might be a little scary, but it's a, it's a little le- it takes the edge off of it a little bit. That, that's what this word did for me that year, and it helped me trust God in one of the darker valleys of my life gave me eyes to see what he was doing, and he showed me my pace of life was not sustainable, that I needed to change it through these challenging circumstances. So I had a lot of follow-up questions for God that year. Um, Another example, in 2020, we wanted to buy a home. We're saving up. Uh, We moved in with my parents to save money, which, you know, is a blessing, but also not the most fun thing to do when uh, you're married with a kid. And so we're praying. In 2020, God gave us the green light to start looking for houses. And COVID had just hit, like literally, it just happened. And so nobody's putting their house on the market because nobody wants anyone else in their house to look at it. And so every once in a while, one pops up. We're going and looking at these listings. And man, there is just nothing out there that's available. I mean, in the options that were, it's like, wow, I'd rather live in my parents' house than, than here. Um, and so we find one. All of a sudden, this one house opens up. It seems like a, like a great house. When we go there, like you're not getting that house. Um, and so we, we feel the pressure. We're like, okay, God gave us the green light to start. And it was honestly a tough blow to hear. Like, God, are you serious? It might take months to find something. And sure enough, one month later, for the same price, such a better house came. And God made so clear. We were the only ones that got to see it two days before anyone else did. I don't know why they opened it up for just us. We were able to put in an offer with no, no competition. Like, it was crazy what God did to bring us to where we're at. But it wouldn't have happened if we weren't listening to his voice. And so, um, those are the follow-up questions. Like, okay, God, if, uh, this is what I'm hearing. When? How? What can I do to focus on this? Go through this whole process, and then you have the clarity from God to where you're ready to craft some goals or some plans or some ambitions. Because God's leading you. And you can trust that he's guiding you And before we finish up, there's one thing I need to say about this. This process, it's it's not a recipe just for a successful year by the way the world defines it. It's not this foolproof method to an easy, prosperous life. So I don't want you to mishear me in any way. The reality is that if you go through this process, you might hear something that you don't like, like I did in 2021. 
And what God does oftentimes, and to probably every one of us in our lifetime, is he, he does this thing where he leads us into the wilderness. It's this biblical theme where it's a time of refinement and testing. It happened to the Israelites, to David, to Jesus. He gets baptized, he starts his ministry. The first thing the Holy Spirit does is lead him to be tempted by Satan. And so this is not to punish us. But God has something bigger in mind. And so we've got to trust that our, our good shepherd sees the big picture. That he, he is working for our holiness, our transformation. He is bringing us to the promised land, even though we might have to go through some dark valleys to get there. And so if we really trust that God has our best interest in mind, and that he knows where he's leading, it empowers us, even if God's like, hey, this might be a tough one this year. Or if you get a word like, hey, it's going to be hard, but I'm going to be with you. To be able to lean into that and be like, okay, I know it's for my own good. I know it, it's, it's the best option rather than doing my own thing. So the point of this process is to get yourself to a wholehearted trust and surrender to God because you desire him and life with him more than anything else in response to what he's done for us already through the cross. He's the good shepherd, we're the sheep. We hear his voice and we follow. God is deserving and worthy of that. And so grab a handout, it'll walk you through how to do that in like an hour exercise this week before you leave. I'm gonna invite the worship team back up here. We're gonna finish with one song uh, and praise God. But before we do that, a couple of upcoming things to remind you of. Um, this week is gonna be small group midweek. So ask your small group leader, get in touch with one to, uh, of, of what the info is for that. Next Sunday, and this is really important, this is our last irregular Sunday. UNM is closed for Martin Luther King weekend, so we'll be across the street at St. Paul's at 1. So it's our last service at St. Paul's for a long time, but don't come here at 10. They're at 1 o'clock. And then right afterwards, small group leaders, um, we're going to have our meeting together. So if you're a small group leader, please stick around after. And just a reminder, like you heard from Tim and Shanty, to be reading your with book, we're going to start the series based on that book next week.